do have your scriptures, we'll ask you to open to Psalm 98, and that is where we will, will be this morning. As we look to the scriptures and we look for, for help, a reminder is kind of in the little the, the sermon notes that you find in your bulletin this morning, and that's that we are in the midst of these, the Lord is King Psalms. There's nine of them back to back to back. And uh, if we could think that through together, the Lord is King, it, it means that he reigns over every nation. He didn't come for Israel alone. He came for all of the people. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He reigns over the created world. He's a global reigning king. He is forever. He established his reign and will reign for all time. And so when we say the Lord, the covenant-keeping, kind, loving God who's revealed his name to us and knows our name, He's the king. That's what we're talking about when we say the Lord is king. And this psalm, we're coming to the end of our Lord is king psalms. 100, I think, is the the final one. But we'll look at 98 this week. I think 99 next week. And uh, we'll continue on. This is the only psalm in this little, you know, nine psalm chapter that starts with a little inscription there. A psalm. And so join with me, or at least read along with me as I read Psalm 98 for us. A psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the earth and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And so, Father, we're praying you'd give understanding to your word. Help us to see aright how Psalm, book four in the Psalms here that we're in the midst of is one of how your people are growing. We're maturing. They're maturing and, and they see that you are the king. And even the hardest troubles of life can't shake their eyes from gazing at you and believing you and, and being loyal you. We pray for the brokenhearted one. Sometimes new songs come from deep, deep places of remorse and difficulty, of emptiness and a lack of resources. You humble us and oh how you come through 
time and time again. Time and time again, you come through. And so we praise you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We see the seven commands, seven imperatives in this psalm are all about praising the Lord. Uh, Break forth, shout out praises. Uh, Some of us are prone to say, I don't sing well, and therefore we make a joyful noise to the Lord, and we talk about that and like that. And that's that's like a battle cry. That's like, let let it from the depths of your being shout out praises to this one who's won the victory. Um, And so as we think through these seven commands, all of them are saying pretty much the same thing. And we can boil this down, sing to the Lord a new song. And it's carried throughout this psalm. I would just say it this way, that God's mission for your life and for my life and for the life of this church family is not completed in singing new songs but involves and includes singing new songs. We are commanded to sing songs of praise to the Lord. It's one of the ways that God is going to reach the nations. As you continue to be faithful and singing out praise to the Lord, as I continue to be faithful, seeing that he's at work and growing me, he is going to reach our neighbors not merely or only with a, an excellent personal evangelism where we learn to share the gospel well. That's important. We're not saying it's not. But we are saying that your steady and confident joy in the most difficult moments of your life and you singing during and, and in the midst of those moments are a statement to the world that he reigns and your eyes are fixed on his, on him, and my eyes are too. So as we look through this psalm together, uh, we're, we're uh, looking, starting at verse 1, a psalm, the simplest of, of headings there, uh, a song to sing, that is a, a, uh, a steadied group of words that we want to focus on and say again and again. A psalm, oh, sing to the Lord. A new song. Hey, uh, number one concept here is this, that God's maturing people will sing new songs. Some of us might say, well, I don't really sing. And quite frankly, when I sing, I think God doesn't like it very much. (laughs) He tells me to stop singing. And I get where you're saying, if you're coming from that perspective, that you're not a great singer. But listen, when you're in your car, you can turn the radio up and belt it out when you're alone in your house, when you're in the congregation. It's beautiful to be in the congregation because you don't have to sing very loud, but you have to sing. Some of us are going to break forth in battle cries when it comes to singing, and some of us are not. Some of us are going to be pretty quiet. The Lord, this psalm does not say, everyone must be an extrovert. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, everyone must bring a song to the Lord, a new song to the Lord. So here's question number one, why new? And and even before, sorry, now I'm looking at the title going, ah, I should have said that too. Sorry, God's maturing people will sing new songs. The word maturing is added because we are in book four of the Psalms. And what we said is that the, the overarching theme is that the first three books of the Psalms from one to 89, we're saying, dude, like, 
life is hard, life is difficult, God established his kingdom, the, the uh, uh, neighboring foreign countries warred against it, there's this struggle, right? And then God's people were sometimes faithful and sometimes not. Now here in Psalm 90, we're in book four, and book four is saying, hey, God's people are starting to grow up. We're starting to embrace his promises. We're starting to embrace his promises even when we don't hold his blessings in our hands. We're starting to believe him even when we're occupied by foreign powers. We're starting to be loyal to him even when we were dragged off in exile. We're starting to show our love for him even when there's a lot of other things in the world that we could set our hearts upon. There's a really beautiful moment here where we're all growing up. And here in the Newer Testament, we would say there is this Holy Spirit who comes and lives in us. And he is teaching us to be like the, the, the one who saved us. And so we are maturing people of the Lord. And so maturing people of the Lord don't say, um, I'm not a good singer, so I'm not going to sing. We don't do that. The maturing people of the Lord say, well, the Lord commands a new song. And so though I sing it quietly or privately, kind of, or, or uh, timidly, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sing because the Lord calls me to sing. Why new songs? New songs, uh, there are at least uh, four or five concepts here that I, I jotted down in terms of thinking through. Why does he want a new song? In, in context of Psalm 98, he wants a new song because he's just done a new thing. God comes and he delivers his people. A couple quick examples. Exodus chapter 15. His people were in captivity. They were brought out. Remember, they go into the cul-de-sac. In front of them is uh, the, the Red Sea. Uh, to the right and to the left, there's mountains. You turn around and the armies are, have them hemmed in and they are completely trapped. There's no place for them to turn. How will they escape? In Exodus 15, it says, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider are thrown into the sea. Oh, how you delivered me. In fact, that's wrong. Oh, how you delivered us, O oh Lord. We look to you. And so what do they do? Moses writes a song. Look at the strong arm of the Lord. Look at how he came and delivered us. This psalm, Psalm 98, is probably written as a part of an, an exile where they are returning to the land. And so they stop for a minute and say, well, let's... Write this, let's write this down. It's time to write a song to the Lord. He's done it again. God continually, he told us we would be his people. He told us he would take care of us. He told us he would lead us. And look how he did it again. He keeps on coming through for us time and time again. The picture is actually of uh, the musicians in the land and they get going and they send the king out into battle and they play him a song and they play the army a song as they go and then while the battle rages most of the music in the land stops. And then the king is victorious and he's marching back and the music can't be stopped. 
The guy with the lyre starts playing and the person of melody starts singing and the person with the trumpets start playing. There's war cries and whoops and I don't know if whoops is a word, but there's, there's hollers and there's war cries of, look at the Lord, here he comes, he did it. He told us he would show up in our deepest, darkest moment and here he is, he's done it again. And so here's a new song. As we apply that to our lives, it's not only a, a new song in the sense that God's done a new thing and shown us victory again. There's new songs because you're a new person sometimes. When you're 16, you have different expectations than when you're 26. And the Lord uses hardship in our life to, to just to push us to the point of humility. And this is the way I jotted it down thinking through the new song. The Lord delights in causing us to be low and slow. He wants to put us low in humility, take away all of your resources to do what you can can do or what you want to do to get through the day. He takes away those resources until you finally, till I finally turn to him. He wants us to get super slow. What I mean by that is I live uh, two houses, three houses in from Lake Michigan and every every morning, if I choose to look at it on my run, I can see and watch the sunrise. There are some mornings when I am listening to a podcast and I run along one of the great lakes on the face of the planet at sunrise. And I get home and realize, I never even looked. And there are other people that take a pad of paper in the morning. They're slow. And they watch the faithfulness of the sunrise and God's goodness to us as the, as the earth turns in its exact orbit, the way that the hand of God wants it to. And the sun rises and they write songs about how good God is because they're slow enough to reflect upon what's happening in this moment while I'm running with my podcast. Great songs are written when we get low and humble before the Lord and he removes all sorts of things that we thought we had to have for life and living, when he removes all strength to do it ourselves, when he removes all the money to pay to go forward with our lives, when he removes all the relationships we thought were just completely required for life and living and he removes these things and strips us down and we're humbled before him. We stop saying the thing we've always said to him about what we think life is about and where we're going from here. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. He, he can strip us down in a beautiful way so that we're ready to sing that new song. 1707, Isaac Watts writes this song. When I survey the wondrous cross. It was quite a church problem for Isaac Watts to be writing hymns like that. He was coming off of a season in church life where all they wanted to do was sing repetitive psalms over and over again. And Isaac Watts, as a young man, was saying, guys, I know the psalms are good and everything. They're inspired and we we should do that. But there's no life. In fact, the quote that he says is, he commented, the singing of God's praise is the part of worship that should be most closely related to heaven. But its performance among us is the worst on earth. And his dad said to Isaac, write a new song. 
You know, like the, the, the song, right in expression. And here he called it the crucifixion to the world by the cross of the Christ. By the cross of Christ. Matthew Arnold calls this the greatest hymn in the English language. But in Watts' day, texts such as this, which were based on personal feelings. Remember the words to the hymn? When I survey the wondrous cross, I survey. It's a personal experience hymn. On which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I counted lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. It was scandalous for the church to sing about feelings and depart from the revealed word of God. They were termed hymns of human composure and were very controversial. The traditionalists of his day rejected Isaac Watts out of hand. But he persisted and wrote several volumes of hymns. And the church is so encouraged that he, and so built up by the fact that he would sing a new song. He got low and he got slow and he reflected on who God is and what he's done. And he wrote it down for our, for our goodness. At some level, singing requires active expression. And so active expression to your children active expression to your neighbor. Yesterday, my neighbor came out and we were talking about uh, life and death. And I told him my friend, Linda, passed away. And he, he said, well, he's an older fella and he's had many health problems. And I have tried to talk to him. Dale, if you're watching, hello, good to see you again. I've tried to appeal to him, and as far as we could get yesterday in the hymn was just this. Hey, uh, Dale, you're a little older now. What comes next? What comes next? What comes after this? And he said, I know, I know, and then changed the subject. My friend, when we get low and we get slow, we see the goodness of God we reflect on him, and he, he delights in doing this. Coralie Sandy, a good example of this. Coralie, you know, for nine months, has been, she's been up here playing. She was here last week, ready to play. And by the way, I talked to Wayne Ooglum about this this morning. I said, Wayne, I want to show a video of somebody that has is, is, uh, been deemed cancer-free recently. How do you think Linda would feel about that? And he said, you better play that. You better play that. And so after nine months and all of the treatments this week on Wednesday, take a look at this video. When you ring the bell, when you ring the bell, it means all your cancer treatments are done. Could you play that? Hey, she's got some preventative work that needs to be done in the next couple weeks, but Coralie just sang a song to the Lord because she didn't get up there and say, oh, well, now the chemo treatments are... Uh, that's not what that song meant. Here's what she meant. God, my creator, intimately involved in my life, has put me in a position where today even the doctors announce his good work in my life. I am cancer-free today. So we sing a new song. Coralie got very low. There were moments when she could barely walk up on this stage. 
but she was here to play and to give honor. Guys, we might, we might sing a new song, uh, an old song as a new person. And sometimes you'll do that. I've got a couple songs when we dropped sons off at college and we would sing the song. And now I put it on play for the last five years, so much so that I think Nikki might be getting tired of them. But the same song over and over again. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'll play that song all day long. I love it. It's an older song now, a couple years old, but we're, I'm going to sing it in a new way. I'm a new person because of the time I sang it when I dropped Luke off at Liberty. We might process and lament and reflect. And we might liter- you might write a new song because all the resources are gone from your life. You might learn to sing it. Here's the other way we have new songs. We might be singing alongside new singers. If you're a new singer of the praise of the Lord in this place today, welcome. We've been waiting for you. Come and join your voice in with the, the, the called out ones. The, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And so why new? New songs because God keeps doing new things and he keeps doing new things in your life and mine too. What is meant by sing? What is meant by sing is... Uh, as we've talked about, we have to express this. And so this idea of being low before the Lord and being slow as we reflect on who he is in our life, saying does not necessarily mean melodic. It could mean that you're expressing it to your friends over the fence post or you're ringing bells of honor and glory to the Lord. The subject of the new songs. You see that right in verse 1. And by the way, yesterday when I was rehearsing these notes, I decided I didn't like the idea of the subject of new songs. So here's what I'm saying. The reason, the reason for the new song. Oh, sing to the, to, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous deeds. Unspeakably good. Too good to be true kinds of acts he's done. You don't have to convince anybody that God did it. You know, we live in a world that says, okay, so Coralie was, was healed. And look at what happened over here with this person. These, these are not miracles of God. Can I just remind you, that when you're singing the song of praise to the living king of the universe, there is no place where you take a, a parenthesis and say, now, now listen, I know you don't really understand this song. And so let me just take some time to explain it to you. Listen, that's part of your life, and we will do that. But while we're singing a song, we have to sing the song with gladness, with faithfulness, with confidence. God uses confident, joy-filled singing to radically transform people's outlook. It may take some time. Your singing this song might be a seed planted that doesn't bear fruit immediately. But you don't have to always stop and explain everything. Here are some of the, the, the marvelous deeds that the Lord did. We've already talked about how he brought his people out of Egypt. We've talked about how he brought them back after Exodus. You and I could talk about how he brought them into Israel in 1948 and without an army or any means whatsoever, gave them the country back. That's a miracle of the Lord. He's good to his people. We could talk about uh, salvation itself, because that's what it says here. He, with his right hand and his holy arm, he dropped the boom on me? No. He kept me out until I could clean myself up? No. 
He raised the bar so I would have to jump higher? No. With his holy right hand, he has worked salvation. He has redeemed me. He has brought me home. For me, no. He loves you so much that he took his right hand out and worked salvation because he loves you. He did it for him because he loves you that much. He wants to bring you back to himself, and he's done it. So we get low and slow, and we write songs about stuff like that. How could he love us like that? The Lord has, look what he's done. Now as he's worked for and in his people and his people continually faithfully sing new songs, the Lord has made known his salvation. Look in verses 2 and 3, three times the Lord says, I'll make my name known all around the world. He has made known his salvation in verse 3. Later in verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen. The, The ends of the earth have seen how good and strong he is. So in in verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love to the house of Israel. In verse 2, he has made known and he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He's going to take care of, of the ripple effect of his name going to all the nations by the way that he saves you and the way we sing. Sing a new song. Sing a new song to our glorious, glorious Savior. So this salvation has come through Jesus. In the New Testament, they write the fact that all these promises that God made and and these these, uh, installments that God made to bring his people back into uh, uh, Israel is all pointing towards this ultimate king who was coming. He absolutely steps in and he heals and he delivers. In salvation, he promises to make a people for himself from the rebels of the earth. By the way, Genesis 12, verse 3. In you, Abraham, you'll bless all the families of the earth. And so he's blessed the entire earth through his people and through keeping his promise to his people. He promises that an offspring of Abraham and an offspring of David would reverse the curse that we deserve until the the one son of David, the son of God, comes and he he spokes to his people through the law and the prophets to remind them and encourage them and show them his goodness. He is holy and he is good. And his promise that includes a dynasty and a kingdom that's real and present. It includes land and a king. So in Jesus Christ, God's kingdom arrives. Here he is in all of his strength, with all of his glory. He's come to establish God's rule over this world. It's here. Jesus is the servant of the Lord and and the offspring of of David who came to bear and to bury our, our sins, to endure and absorb the righteous wrath of God against my sin. Jesus is here. You don't have to wait anymore. Now, there's an already, and there's a coming moment when it's going to be full and and perfect, but Jesus has come. And so here we are in these, these times. We are sojourners. That means we are moving through this life, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so we are sojourners from every kingdom, from every nationality, 
from every race. We have become residents of heaven and, and adopted sons in the kingdom of God. Wanderers are assigned a home. And it doesn't matter whether it's North Korea or Russia or Sheboygan. It's irrelevant. Our own nationality of United States of America is irrelevant compared to the beautiful call of God in our life to come worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and to make a place for us to fit in that kingdom. So the Lord does marvelous things all by himself, for himself, because he loves us, and we receive these things and sing new songs. Do you sing like that? Bursting out sometimes? The words here really indicate that we just kind of sometimes randomly sing it loudly. We say it suddenly. We say it clearly to the people around us. We really shout it out from time to time, and we're commanded to do that. So, God's maturing people will sing new songs. Number two, faithful singing invites the whole world to sing to the king. Sometimes we think the Old Testament is for Israel, and the New Testament is for all the other nations. Not so. From the get-go, almost every place you see the, the, the kingdom of God in the Old Testament, there's an invitation to the whole world to come and worship him. Look at verse 4 here in Psalm 98. Make a joyful noise. That's the random calling out loudness kind of a thing. To the Lord, all the earth. Let every nation see what's going on in God's people and come check it out. Let every nation, your friends, your neighbor, the person in your world, the person across the street, the person in your cubicle, let the whole nation come and check out what's God, what God's doing within the context of his people. Just keep singing. Just keep singing the song. And you might say, do you ever say this in your heart? Um, I don't know if they're going to listen to my song. And I would just say, if you're in the cubicle and we're talking about a literal song, don't do that. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> but we do want them to hear our, our thoughtful phrases and the way we're going to uh, say what God has done and how faithful he's been to us. Notice the instruments that he wants us to use. Verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous songs. Sing praises. He's talking about melody and lyrics. Verse 5, sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. The lyre is a guitar. And I had a video and I wanted to show it to you and I decided against it. But it's kind of a tiny harp or, and, and it can be used both. You can strum it. You can pluck it. And you can do some kind of a syncopation thing where you play it. So it's a lot like a guitar. So think of that. Sing praises to the Lord with the guitar, with the guitar, the sound of melody. Verse 6, with the trumpets. And the picture here is, is trumpets made for war and trumpets made for orchestras. Bring all the instruments in and sound praises of thankfulness to the Lord. And the nations will hear our song. You say, I don't know if the nations, how will the nations hear our songs? Well, it was uh, June 3rd, 2004, and uh, a fellow named Rich Demers was driving a car. He had had a bit of a difficult upbringing, but here he was at 42 years old, absolutely committed 
to reaching the prison population of, the upper, of upper Michigan. So here he was delivering Bibles. He had a wife and two children. It was three weeks before his 43rd birthday. And he was hit by a truck on his way to the jail to deliver Bibles and killed. Heidi Lucas sang the funeral for her friend. And Terry, the widows, in the front row. Kids near her. Hands raised. Tears flowing. Saying, Lord, I don't know what the future is going to hold here. But I can tell you this, in this moment of absolute brokenness, I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to lift my voice. Two things I want to say about that. Heidi told me to not say her name, but I just said it. (laughs) The other thing I want to say about this, you don't have to be a perfect singer. Exodus 15, let's sing a song of praise. Our Lord has delivered us. Here he is with strength. The horse and rider are thrown into the sea. And you and I to this day sing this song in Sunday school. Two weeks later, they made golden calves and sang a song to them. Or we go to Matthew 26 and 27. And the disciples are gathered with Jesus in a beautiful moment and he's about to get crucified. And here they are gathered and he's showing them what it's going to look like for them to live their life after he's gone. And before they went out to the garden that night, let us sing a hymn. Does anyone have a hymn? Okay, we sing a hymn. And I bet you they remembered that hymn for the rest of their life. And three hours later, they abandoned him completely running off into the dark to save their own skin. Nobody's calling you to be a perfect singer before you sing. Nobody's saying, get it all right so that you have the guts to sing the song so you can back it up the rest of your life perfectly. None of us can do that. Here's what you're called to do. Get low and slow before the Lord and lift up your voice with all your might. That song you sang, and Heidi talked about those songs the other night in Life Group. That's how you got that story. Those songs and that moment, it is going to carry us. And it's bearing fruit 20 years later in this congregation to tell the story of somebody whose heart was absolutely broken in half. And yet she would lift up her eyes and say, in my lowness and in my slowness of processing my life before the Lord, I'm going to give him all the glory. You don't have to be a perfect singer to sing these songs well. He'll come and listen to your heart. But listen, there's no doubt that the seven commands of this psalm are clear. Sing to the king. Faithful singing invites the whole world and it will make a difference when you do it. And when you do it. First Chronicles 16.31 Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations the Lord is king. Do you see that in verse uh, 6? Here we are now. With trumpets and the sound of the horn make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. We're coming to the end of these seven There's really nine of them, but seven use that phrase, seven psalms. The Lord, the King. He's the King over the universe, over all the universe. 
Exodus 15, 18, Yahweh shall rule as king forever and ever. So once we embrace the reign and the goodness of the Lord and the king over us, we take all the other ways we might identify in, in, our, in our thinking and in our lives, and we say, no, the Lord is the king, is the first and main identity of my world. And so I'm going to sing, and we're going to submit to him. Faithful singing invites the whole world to come and sing to the king. Finally, the global future of all songs. Creation joins in. You see that in verse 7? Let the sea roar. Man, I love it when Lake Michigan is crazy. I don't love it always because sometimes in those moments you hear boats capsized and swimmers that are hurt. But I love to see the power of God. The word uh, roar there is let the waters thunder. And all that fills the waters, the world, the people, and all who dwell in it, let them all give honor and glory to God. Let the rivers clap their hands. And you have this picture of of, uh, all of the created world doing what it was intended to do. His people were intended to sing. The nations are invited to come. The trees are invited to sway in the wind and give honor to his name. The hills are called to sing and the sea is called to roar in his presence. And so the created world is doing exactly what it's created to do. Romans chapter 8 you know that, the, the, that it's waiting, right? You know that the whole created world is not... Like, I don't, I don't like to use the word nature very often. I get it. We, we communicate with one another. But nature implies a law outside of God that is ruling over our everyday existence where trees, you know, turn into... do their fall thing and grow and all the rest. I, I like to call it creation because God is intimately and personally involved every second of every day so that the atoms of my body don't fly apart, according to Colossians 1. So it's this created world that God is intimately and always involved in. That's singing a song to him. And it's, it's futile right now. It's waiting to the moment when the people of God are completely righteous, when we are his perfectly and we have no sin. And all of the curses that came as a result of sin are going to be undone. And the Lord is going to reign with power personally on this planet. And we're going to have jobs to do alongside of him. It's an exciting moment. And so Romans 8 says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit. The global future of all songs, creation joins in and the King reigns in righteousness forever. Do you see that in the, as we wrap this up? 9b. He, well, let's go with verse 9. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The judgment of our coming king is good news. I think we don't often think about judgment as good. 
we think, well, you know, I got to get ready to get judged. I got to lose a few pounds before the Lord shows up. You know, I got to get myself just together. I got to get myself uh, humming. You know, I got to, I got to really cram for the test before He comes. Otherwise, I might fail the test. And the opposite take is here in Psalm 98. Guys, God told us how He's going to judge. All who are devoted to and loyal to his son, Jesus Christ, none of them will be lost. All who know and love Jesus and are singing songs to him and looking for his appearance and doing everything we can by the power of the Spirit to devote our lives to him, as we give our lives to him and, and, and worship him, when he comes to judge, he will not lose one of us. You don't have to do something to gain that approval except keep trusting the, the promises of God. Keep trusting the Savior that came from him. So the king is going to reign in righteousness forever. The future is characterized by this promise that God will come and return. This, this coming unstoppable good and righteous rule that Jesus will instill so the future isn't some unknown thing. As we are maturing, all of us are going, you, you know, of course, Jesus will come back. You know this whole earth belongs to him. You know that one of the things we're going to do is talk about that, but another thing we're going to do to be obedient to the Lord throughout all of our lives, we're going to sing praises to him. And sometimes when our, when our friends don't understand what these praises are all about, we are going to give a reason for the faith within us. And sometimes we're not. When our kids walk away, when our friends don't understand, when, when somebody near us criticizes, when social media is too much, we are going to come to this place where we say, you know what? I'm going to sing with confidence before the Lord. I'm going to sing with joy before the Lord. He is the king. I am not going to look to another place. I am not going to cower down and think that there could be another way. I am convinced that Jesus Christ will reign on this earth forever and ever. And all who wait for his glorious appearance will not be disappointed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us sing songs together. The whole world depends on God's people singing. So let's sing to the king. Would you stand and we're going to close in prayer. Father, the mission of the church here is to sing clearly. It's one of the missions. Sing clearly the praises to you, our king. New songs, yes. And I pray for those who might write new songs or introduce new songs or love new songs. I pray our eyes would be open to marvelous works that you do in saving us from trouble. I pray that when you bring us low, and I pray for the one in here who's low, that in being humbled, you would with that humility lift our eyes as we cry out for help to you. Would you help us? And Lord, when you help us, it seems like there's always a new song just around the next corner. And so, Lord, the, the fullness of your kingdom's not here yet, but that doesn't dissuade us and it doesn't discourage us one bit. It's coming. And one day, every eye will see that Jesus is the Christ and every knee will bow. And oh God, how we pray as we close this morning that if there's anyone in this room this morning that is heard the songs and dismissed you.
If there's anyone in this room that has stopped singing the songs, if there's anyone in here who does not know that Yahweh is king, that today would be the day when they surrender their lives to you and join in the song. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.